Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Creative Control with Bish on this episode, comedian Tom McCaffrey from New York City is on the show to talk about his new film, which is a mockumentary documentary thing called Adventures in Comedy. It's it's about the art and struggle of being a stand-up comedian. And uh, as I say, there's a film coming out this week. There's also a stand-up album that Tom recorded and, surprisingly, a uh, hip-hop record as well. You'll learn a lot. I think about Tom and comedy and maybe even rap music on this episode. So here it is, myself and Tom McCaffrey. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H.ca. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Yeah, less money, more problems. I'm about to start rapping. Yeah, ain't pay my cable bill in 15 months. The ATM says I have insufficient funds. My money problems are really stressing me out. Day and night, yeah, it's all that I think about. I look for money in the cushions of my couch. Me and Bill Gates ain't got nothing in common to save money. I'm eating Matt Top Ramen. Got less possessions in the Dalai Lama. And I'm a broke. Than Jenna Jameson time Got no checks coming in And my life is hell I'm handing out IOUs at fucking Taco Bell Got no cash And things are going fucking awry Every night I pray That my rich uncle will die With to a hooker Who looks like Robert De Niro She wanted 30 bucks for sex I was like how about zero Was stealing internet From my neighbor Bjorn He moved Now I can't look at online porn No more porn I jerk off to glamour Going bankrupt Faster than MC Hammer Used to steal from Target But now they're on to me and so much weed, I should move to the Honda Lee. Losing mad sleep due to the spark of economy. Got my mind, got my money, and my money, my money. At the club, my credit card gets declined. Got my mind, got my money, and my money, and my money. So poor, can't even afford to spend time. Got my mind, got my money, yeah. and my money, Second and my verse, money. it only gets worse. Listen up, bitches, I'm about to start rapping again. Yeah. Tom McCaffrey is a renowned comedian, writer, director, and performer based in New York City. Over the last two decades, McCaffrey's work has appeared on Comedy Central, VH1, Funny or Die, and he's written for The Onion and Huffington Post, among others. He's acted and directed in films as well, and his latest venture is a documentary about his life and work called Adventures in Comedy, which features insights from Jim Gaffigan, Janine Garofalo, Aisha Tyler, and Michael Che, among others. Adventures in Comedy will be available on most streaming sites beginning February 20th via Comedy Dynamics. And here to discuss it further 
is Tom McCaffrey. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Where Where are you, Tom? Um, I'm at home right now. I'm just uh, in Manhattan. I live on the Lower East Side. Oh, how How are things yeah. How are things on the Lower East Side? Um, they're pretty sweet. I um, it's fine. It's freezing here now all the time. There's like snow and ice just kind of all over the ground. Um, you guys had that thing where you were pre- you were preparing for like that snowmageddon recently, and then it didn't happen. Yeah, well, that was about a week and a half ago, I guess, or yeah. maybe, I guess last week. And then it snowed again. It snowed a couple more times this week, worse than they said it was going to the other time. And but this happens in New York all the time, where it'll snow and then, but because it stays so cold, there's snow everywhere just for like two months. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't go That's anywhere. How it is that? Yeah, yeah, it just won't melt. Um, so yeah. Basically, it's, you're a New Yorker. You're a New Yorker, though. You're are you used to this by now? Yeah, I am. I I grew up here. I grew up in Manhattan, so um, I'm used to it. But I'm I'm like very sick of it. It's like, well, you know, my relationship my relationship with the snow has changed a lot since I was a kid. Like when you're a kid, you like are happy when it snows, but when you're an adult, it like really bums you out. Yeah, we we had a snow day uh, here. I work at the I work at the university uh, uh, in Guelph, where I'm calling you from, and there was a snow day on Monday, so there was no uh, we couldn't go couldn't go there. So it was you know a snow day, just like when you're a kid. But I have uh, two children now and a fam like a wife and a house, so my snow day was just shoveling snow. It wasn't fun at all. Yes, I don't really have snow days now. I don't like have. I still have to like do things. You know, it's not. <laughs> and actually, I don't. I don't have to tell you about snow, right? I mean, where you are, it's probably like how. How is it there? It's bad. It's it's kind of what you're describing. Just like mountains and mountains of snow have fallen, and we're we're all trying to deal with it as best we can. And you know, it's it's rough. Yeah, poor us. <laughs> <laughs> things things could certainly be worse. It's true. It's just a lot of snow. Yeah. And no, you, I know. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, uh, it's and it's all like I'm looking at it on my window. A lot of it is like has turned like black, and it's just like piles of ice. You know, so it's not even like fun snow. Like no one can enjoy it. It's like kids can't even enjoy it anymore. It's just hard and like gross. It just looks horrible. Yeah. yeah. Now whenever I cross the street, I have to like climb a mountain of ice. You know, to get across the street, it just <laughs> makes everything. It just makes everything a chore now. And, a, you know, New York's not, like, easy to begin with. So. Yeah. How are things in New York? We, I, we've been following uh, the what's been going on with your mayor, Bill de Blasio, and the police force, and the tension was really high a couple of months ago. Has that subsided? Has the snow uh, cooled that in any way? Or are things still feeling <laughs> weird? Um, I don't know. That That whole thing, yeah, I just feel like... Uh, I mean, I, I know what happened. I've been following it just on the news, but it, it's such a thing that I, the only time I really hear about it is um, is on the news. So I, I don't really experience it like just walking outside. Like I never really interact with the police. So like I guess for a little bit there was some tension. Well, there was you know for a while there were like all these protests going on like every night. Um, we're like hundreds and hundreds of people would take over like an entire avenue and just be walking. That, that's subsided. That doesn't really happen. Right. At least not as much more. Um, but I don't know. Then there was a thing that the police were refusing, you know, to like, as a backlash to de Blasio, they were like refusing to, they said they weren't going to arrest as many people. Right. Um, which is weird. Um, so, but I haven't noticed any anything up from that. I mean, you would think maybe you would notice more people being able to like rob you and stuff, but I haven't. Um, right. That's just the thing. I, it's still around, but I never. I only see it on the news every day. I'm like, wow, that's horrible. And then like I go outside and there's just snow everywhere. Yeah, that that whole not we're not going to do our jobs thing was weird because I kind of everyone kind of felt like they were shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, but uh, in terms of like talking about how you know what kind of efficacy they actually have in the city, but you're saying from your perspective there were no spikes in crime. People are like, all right, just 
that's fine. <laughs> was that what it was like? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a thing that has like doesn't really affect me at all. Like, I live in like a, my neighborhood like never really changes, and New York is a lot safer now to begin with. So, mm-hmm. even though I did see something, there was uh, something in the news about they were concerned with how many shootings there had been um, in the last, like, just since the year started. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I grew up here, and it was so different when I was growing up. Like, it was really dangerous growing when I was growing up here, and now it's just, I, I just feel like you can't even find a dangerous area anymore. It's just so, um, been ta- I, it's just so much money. Like, so many people, it's so expensive. So... The only thing I just see stories every every now and then about how the, the police really hate him and and he won't like apologize to the police, which I don't understand. It's just weird. A lot like a lot of people hate De Blasio. I guess I don't I don't mind him that much, but people really are against him. Yeah, I thought people. He seemed. I don't know. I don't know enough about what's going on politically, but I mean, you know, you judge people like that by their character and how they present themselves i guess when you're not living in the city you know like that's all you kind of have I, you know, i'm not mired in the day-to-day like what's he doing policy-wise but he seems like a nice enough guy he seems like he knows what he's doing and uh i'm a little just shocked by this uh this reaction to him yeah i don't i don't i like i don't know i actually don't know a lot about his policies <laughs> i i know that like um he he made the comment about his son, and that's what sparked everything. He made somebody yeah. comment about his son and the police, and, and that's what got the police so angry. I it, it was it, 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 that like what was that like a couple of months ago when that whole thing was going on when like right after Ferguson and with that guy um, yeah. Yeah. Eric Garner who got killed. Like when they didn't they didn't con- they didn't decide they didn't indict the police. They yeah. killed Eric Garner. That was like you could feel a lot of tension in the city. Like, like I was walking down the street and I just, there was some white guy in front of me and he just started like yelling at a cop, you know, oh, wow. was wow. across the street. which yeah. is kind of like, you know, when, when the white people are mad at the police, like, you know, it's gotten, <laughs> cause I just, yeah. Yeah. So, but it, it was just some hipster guy and it was, just, but that's the worst thing I ever saw. And it wasn't even a big deal. It was just like, oh, you jerks or something like that. Right, so, um, right. All right, well, but, I don't know. I, I don't know if this tension provides fodder for <clears throat> your work as a comedian, but uh, I'm sure it must. I had, like, I think I came up with one joke about that whole thing um, because I, well, I, you know, because there was a lot of that going on where these police officers would, would like, kill someone accidentally mm-hmm. and they wouldn't indict them and not only wouldn't they indict them but they would like they wouldn't even like lose their job you know and so i was saying like i understand maybe if you don't want to indict them but i feel like if i like actually if i worked at mcdonald's and i accidentally killed someone like i would definitely lose my job you know what i mean <laughs> yeah 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 that seems <laughs> they fair wouldn't just, they wouldn't just move me to like another area of the rest of you they'd be like yeah this isn't working like you're not good at this <laughs> Yeah, see that, that. Yeah, I think that's a valid point to bring up. Now, I, I want to yeah. ask. I want to talk to you about uh, adventures in comedy, and and I guess first off, it's very simply. Uh, can you talk about what inspired you to actually make this film? Uh, given uh, the fact that you're making, you've been doing comedy for quite a long time, and this film is really about you and the art of comedy, and 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 I assume it was spurred on by maybe where you're at with your art form at this point. Can you talk a little bit about? Uh, where this uh, the idea for this film came from? Yeah, I and actually I should point out it's a it's a mockumentary, so it's um, you know, it's like a fake documentary, right? You know, but that. I I will say that watching it, I find that the mockery unfolds initially kind of subtly. It feels like it's going to be earnest, and then yeah, you pretty quickly as you encounter the first sort of staged thing. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, okay, wait a minute, this is all kind of a joke. But yes, okay, sorry, you're right. It is a it is a mockumentary. But I well, and there, you're right. There, there. I mean, it's like when I was kind of telling people, because there, there's parts of it that are documentary. It, like the interviews with the comedians are like uh, genuine interviews. Yeah. Just kind of about their career. So I had that interspersed, just sort of cause the, like all the mockumentary stuff is. is 
the stuff with me just follow because it's following me around like it's a documentary but it's all it's stuff i've gone through throughout my career but you know i couldn't i didn't get those things on film when it happened so i had to just recreate them with people i knew um but i i basically um i had an idea uh first i was going to do a do- i wanted to do a documentary about dave chappelle Mm-hmm. That was like, that was an idea I'd had. And I found very early on that was not going to be easy to do. So, um, do do, and then do the, you know Dave at all? Or? No. So that's why I've met him, but I don't know him. And people were like, he's never going to do an interview with you. I was like a fan. I mean, you know, I'm a fan of his. And I just, I, the thing with him is I, I was just always kind of like, what happened? Like, why didn't he just come back and do like a special? And um, I felt like, he sort of disappeared after that whole thing. Right. Even though he's kind of, it's funny because now he's sort of reemerging a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, well, I don't want to like spend years trying to get a, an interview with him and not getting one. So then the people I was shooting this with were like, oh, you should you do just like a documentary about stand up? And I was like, well, that's sort of been done. So why do, why should I just do that again? You know? Um, and so, I, one of my favorite movies is This Is Spinal Tap. So um, I just had the idea to do kind of like a, a This Is Spinal Tap of stand-up comedy. Right. Um, and so I just wrote a script pretty quickly, actually, because like, I just sort of wrote down all the things, the, the uh, marks I wanted to hit, like things that have happened to me throughout my career and and I hadn't been doing a lot of stand-up at the time when I was doing this so and I was kind of trying to get back into it a lot more so I was kind of like it's the perfect way to kind of just maybe illustrate me like I've been out of the game a little bit and I'm trying to get back in and ever and it's not going well me and then I came up with the idea of the whole thing is leading up to me recording an album because that kind of gave it like an arc and some tension you know like like it was it was moving into into one place and everyone was kind of like, well, what's going to happen at the end? Like, what's the climax going to be? Right, um, right. And I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, ve- I'm very, very in the, in the movies. Like that, that's kind of, that was always kind of my, I studied film in college and, uh, I, uh, it was something I always wanted to do. And I was, doing some short film like i did some like you know videos like comedy videos for like comedy central that i directed and stuff and then um i was doing some short films kind of to get my feet wet and then i just was kind of like well i have to just make a movie now and this was a good way to do it because i didn't have a lot of money but making it like kind of a documentary style gave me leeway for it to look kind of, you know, I could get away with it looking kind of low budget. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, it has a rawness that documentaries often have, uh, but I, I thought it looked quite, I think it looks quite good. I mean, it doesn't look, let's be fair here, Tom, it doesn't look crappy. It looks great. Yeah. No, no, I think it looks, I think it looks good, but I, I felt like I could get away, like, I. it obviously was going to be low budget, so... You know, sometimes you see a movie that's obviously low budget, but they're trying to act like it's not low budget. So, yeah, yeah. with the documentary, I feel like you can get away with that a lot more. So, it kind of just it was. You know, I I had been thinking about doing a full length feature for like a year and a half, and I was just like, well, how am I going to do it? When I had another idea, and I was like, well, I don't think I should do that. It's going to be hard. And then like this kind of came together perfectly. And when I when I thought of it doing it like the mockumentary i was kind of like oh yeah like of course this would be like because a lot of documentaries will follow one specific person you know when it's talking about like a field or something you know what i mean yeah, like whatever yeah. the field is but follow someone having a hard time and i was like well i mean why not make me in it and just make it and that was the other thing i'd never really seen a documentary about stand-up comedy that was like that funny you know what i mean um they had funny parts but they're more just kind of about being informative. So I was like, oh, I want to make like kind of a documentary that is also like almost like a full out comedy and has like really funny parts in it. So I mean, the, I, I feel like the main, well, not the main one, the, the the documentary that comes to mind immediately is is Seinfeld's comedian. 
um, yes. which kind of hits some of these same marks. But then at the same time, and it didn't really occur to me as I was watching it, uh, your film, Adventures in Comedy, but as you're describing this idea of uh, doing sort of a comeback film uh, in terms of you recording an album and, and getting ready and preparing for it and then interspersing it with sort of weird things, it now it, I, I kind of am drawn to this idea of well, is it is it anything? It, was the original Curb Your Enthusiasm special an influence on you at all in this? Because that's kind of a similar thing. Larry David, he didn't know he was going to make a show out of it. He just created this. You've, have you seen this thing I'm talking about? Yeah, I have. And I thought of that later because, I mean, one thing I was thinking when I was making it is I, I wanted it to have that, like, that style, like the, the Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm style of, um, yeah, because that seems like, I mean, I don't know if the original one is an actual, is it like a mockumentary, like full on where they're like, oh, we're following him. But I have seen it. I thought about it later. But yeah, it is kind of similar to that where he's kind of like, because yeah, he's getting ready to do a special, right? Like he's kind yeah, of going to come back and stand up. That's right, and he's there's all these, you know, similar to what the show became. It's all pretty stylized and fake. Like he, I, I think at the time he was going to the the plan was to come back to stand up, but I think he right. he framed it as like, well, I don't want to do a documentary about that. What if we make it sort of staged? So there's you know. Weird meetings with right, ex- right. weird meetings with executives about the special and weird encounters with other comedians, and on some level, I think there's a bit of that in, in what you've done as well. Like you, you say you're re- yeah, yeah. So you you say you're recreating things that actually happened in your life. I mean, did you actually do a stand-up show in front of two or three dudes in their apartment? Um, I did an apartment show once, and there were maybe like twenty people there. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> So that one is, but I've met like, I mean, but I've had shows that bad, like recently even with like five people at the show and the guys who, you know, I've done a bunch of shows where like I've met the guys who, who show it is and they're really weird and like annoying and won't stop talking to me about <laughs> their comedy careers that are just like pathetic, but you know, it's just you meet a lot. Of, you, know, I don't know, you meet a lot of weirdos who just want to talk shop about comedy all the time, and you're just like, I don't want to hear about you doing a show next week in Staten Island. You know what I mean? Like that's not something to be bragging about. So, and you've also got yes, the I, you've got the archetype of the sort of useless manager guy. Yes, that that one came out really funny because. Um, that was one that I was really having a hard time casting. I didn't know who to cast because I wanted to have like I wanted my manager to be someone who like was just very inept and never gotten anything done um and I finally asked my son you know Barry Rothbard who I've known for years who is like now doing a lot of stuff and um he uh he's a really good actor like he's been in movies and stuff um Mm -hmm. and he came in and he just like knew, I mean, he kind of like took that character and like made it his own. Like there were things that I didn't even like tell him to do. And he just, he was like, when I told him, he was like, I know exactly like what kind of guy you're, you're, you want me to be. Um, you know, it's just funny to me that the manager that's like talks really slick and has all the answers. He has an answer for everything, but they're all like, their answers don't make any sense. And he kind of owns his, ignorance like he'll be completely wrong but because he's so confident about it he kind of convinces you that he's right and he doesn't seem to know anyone but he acts like he knows everyone yeah um so and i've, I've just like met so many people in the industry like that where they're like i'm gonna do th-, you know they promise everything i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and then like they don't do anything and you're like well Okay, what happened to all those things? Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So, um, what what do you suppose? Kept... What do you suppose compels people to do, to do that? Why do they act like they can do a thing? Is it a hero complex? Like, why would they do that to you? I think it's just a business of uh, you know the way you're perceived. They want you know they. It's kind of like present yourself in a successful manner, and people will think you're successful, and they. 
I, I don't know because that's always what I ask because I'm like, well, I mean, if you couldn't do these things, I was going to find that out eventually. So <laughs> I just think no one wants to tell the, no one wants to disappoint you to your face. You know what I mean? Everyone wants to feel like everyone wants you to think that they have all the answers and they're, you know, connected in with the right people. And, you know, maybe they believe they can do these things and maybe they try and it doesn't work out. And yeah. I also like the idea that he was a manager, but like barely, a manager like he didn't even it's not even his office it's like a law, a law firm office yeah 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 no, far away. It, um, it's a funny it's a funny concept for sure you, you mentioned that uh or we've we've talked about the fact that it is a partially a mockumentary there's partially these earnest segments uh these segments featuring as i mentioned people like jim gaffigan and janine garafalo talking very seriously about what it's like to be a comedian. I'm curious, what were they? What were the interview subjects uh, told about this film when you when you you know began speaking to them? Um, well, it's funny because when I interviewed Janine Garofalo was the first one I interviewed, and I would, that's when I was going. I was trying to do the Dave Chappelle idea, and um, when I told her about it, like she didn't like that. I, she didn't like that idea. She was just like kind of against it. Wait, then, sorry, uh, sorry. Which idea? She was against which idea? The Dave Chappelle. When I was going to do like a thing about Dave Chappelle, oh, I was, that's oh. when I and and so it's what happened was she didn't like that idea, and so when I interviewed her, I didn't really ask her about Dave Chappelle. I just more asked her about her stand-up experience and what her in her life. And um, she was very, like, open and honest about, like, her career because she was very kind of like, oh, you know, it's been hard for me. And, you know, kind of t talking about how at one point she was, you know, hugely successful and then one day she kind of wasn't and she was, like, not happy about it. Yeah. And um, it's funny because when I watched the interview, I was like, wow, there's a lot of, like, really cool stuff about that. And so that kind of – it did kind of inspire me to be like – well, it'd be more interesting if, like, you were following someone kind of going through that, too. And so I was like, well, why don't I use a lot of her, her footage talking about her career and kind of to parallel what I went through on a much smaller level. But it's kind of like what I'm going through, where, like, there was a time I was doing well, and then, like, I went away, and now I'm coming back, and people are just kind of, no one really, it's hard for me. Like, it's, it's not how it was anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. So... And Gaffigan, I told um, that I was just doing a documentary about stand-up. And I, at that point, I was kind of doing a documentary about stand-up. I hadn't written the mockumentary part. So he was like, he was really cool about it. He was just like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Margaret Cho, I interviewed her really briefly, and I, I told her what the concept was, and she was just like, fine <laughs> um, no, i just am curious because it is an interesting and dynamic structure to have you oscillate between uh these serious uh people these comedians pondering their lives and their work and then you kind of exemplifying that with these staged uh aspects i mean i just wonder what yeah they, what they made of that like I yeah I, there was there was a couple that I told and they they were fine they were just like I mean I don't know that they fully understood it like I did explain like Michael Che I explained it to and I mean Michael Che was just like okay like just what do you want to ask me you know what I mean yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. they um but yeah that's kind of like when I made it I sort of was like I because like you know there's barely any footage of me doing stand up in it because I didn't want it to be um like. I wanted it to be about stand-up, but I wanted it to kind of be more just about, like, the entertainment industry and, and more just, like, I felt like making a movie that anyone could relate to about kind of, like, having adversity while trying to, like, follow a passion they have or, like, a dream that they have. Um, so, and I guess you're right. Like, it, it is, uh, like, it, it's a mockumentary, but it's, it's a, it, you know, it is more Larry David-ish because there's a lot more it's based on me and all the stuff about me is like true. Like all the stuff I talk about yeah. in my life. So it's, it's fake with me, but it's also kind of real because it's not like a made up character. So, and not necessarily, I mean, they're heightened, but the, these incidents that you, uh, document the, the staged 
parts of it are drawn from things that actually happened to you. They're maybe exaggerated, but they're things that actually happened. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, um, which I think Curb Your Enthusiasm, that's kind of what he mastered, you know, like, yeah. These are things that happen to him, and I people. It's funny because yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I'm very influenced by him and that show, and I mean, a lot of people are, I'm sure. But people have told me that I remind them of him, right? Just because, <laughs> because I like. Well, I'll get in situations all the time, like about these stupid things, and people are like, just let it go. Um, I think it's pretty. I, when, I feel like there's a lot of. I, I've heard these stories a lot. I think people are. St- Seeing Larry David and people they know, and I don't know what that says about the people they know. Because uh, you get it, I get it, we some of us get it. You know, you're a lot like Larry David. Like, you tell a story about some weird thing you've encountered or interaction you've had, and it's funny that he's become this hallmark of <laughs> awkwardness or whatever. Right, right. Well, there has to be, like, yeah, it has to be universal to some extent, because, yeah, it was, a lot of people can relate to it if, I feel like if no one could relate to it in any way, then it wouldn't have taken off like it has. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously he's the king of that, just taking the, the mundane little things of everyday life and turning them into these, like, I don't know, funny stories. Yeah, yeah. Well, from my perspective, and I think it's not an uncommon perspective, I, I don't think stand-up or comedy has ever been as... It doesn't, I, I mean, I can't speak to this. I am not a time traveler, but it doesn't feel like it's ever been as pervasive as it is right now. And I don't, I don't just mean um, that there are more venues and outlets for stand-up and, and, and comedic venues, like people making videos or whatever. I feel like there's more people talking about comedy, more people talking about the practice of comedy um, than I've ever encountered. And I don't know, and you're doing it now. I mean, in this documentary, it's, it's I think, along, it's, it's an... It's another offshoot of this moment in time where comedians are talking about themselves and why they do what they do, and more people are into comedy uh, as well. Like more people are consuming comedy every day. Do you have a sense? Really? Of, yeah, I think so. You don't think so? That's actually something I've I've like been really wondering about, um, just in terms of stand up. I mean. Yeah, like I was, I was wondering even when I started making this about two years ago, I was like, well, where is stand up right now? Like, is it like, is it like a stand up boom or is it like, I don't know, is it a weird wave now where it's, I think it's, it's, you know, everything ebbs and flows. Yeah, I think it's, I think you're right, but I do think that, I mean, I think it's telling that over the last, particularly the last decade, more arts festivals are incorporating stand up, like music festivals and whatnot are like, we have to have a comedy stage. Like, there has to be comedy programming. Stand-up programming. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's more, you know, with Funny or Die, uh, or, you know, even during the, the, I guess it was the, it wasn't really the healthcare debate, but with the with the launch of the website, to, to have the President of the United States use, you know, Between Two Ferns as an outlet. Right, right. Yeah, it, that's one thing I will say is, like, um, something going on just, like, you, you'll see all these huge celebrities um, involved in like comedy videos, like kind of like mocking some iconic thing that they did. You know, it's like really serious act. Like it seems like these really big, like just serious actors are willing to do comedic things now. Um, yeah, and that, that's and what I, 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 I. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I know that's not stand up per se, but I think it's. I'm bundling it all up in this realm of why is comedy so appealing to everyone? It seems to be more appealing than it's ever been. 
Yeah, I, I think it might just be the reach is like there's there's a lot more outlets and it's a lot easier to reach people and people are doing different because I like stand up itself. I don't know how popular it is. I know it is popular. I feel like a lot of the popularity are like offshoots of like stand-ups doing other things. That's kind of why, like, I was, like, trying to do... Like, I always wanted to do films eventually because that was what I was interested in, even though I did stand-up. But so that's what I was trying to move into because it seemed like with that, you have, like, a bigger reach. Because even, like, successful stand-ups are, like, they're known for, like, other things made them famous, you know? Like, uh, they did, like, a TV show or, like, a movie or something. So... And then people are like, oh, they're a stand-up? Oh, all right. And then they have a huge following as a stand-up. But, um, right. But you, I, 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 hear, yeah. I hear what you're saying, but you also come across people who do seem to have, I don't want to use the word transcend because I think it belittles the art of stand-up, but you do end up seeing people like um, Louis C.K., Patton Oswalt, Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno, who people are always mystified that they're still on the road so much. They kind of assume right. that they have a certain amount of success why are you going on the road? Chris Rock, whoever. And I think a lot of those guys uh, will have said, you know, this was not, I didn't view this as some shitty stepping stone. This is what I wanted to do. Um, right, in, in fact, right. In fact, all the other stuff is a way to parlay a more successful stand-up career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I feel like a lot of, the, like, like Aziz Ansari is like, you know, huge now and like mainly from his, you know, other things. But, you know, he uses it now he as like he's still a stand and now everyone knows he's a stand up and he can he has this huge following. Um and then, you know, it's always like the really great comedians that uh are still on the you know what I mean like I talk about it a little bit in the movie Jim Gaffigan and make some comment about how like stand-ups no matter what like have to do it and yeah yeah when seinfeld went back it was like well of course he's going back like you have to do stand-up it it just it has nothing to do with like jay leno i mean i it has nothing to do with money for him you know what i mean he has so much money it's just clearly that's what he like loves to do and i I get that because like if you get to that point where you have people that know you and like you can go into a room and they're kind of like going to be with you. You know what I mean? It makes stand up a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Instead of going in and being like, Oh, like they don't know who you are. You have to win them over. It's probably hard too. Cause if they're famous, cause the, the bar is set so high for them. But, um, yeah, I guess there's a stand up, but I just feel like, I guess that's my, the, the thing I, I thought or the conclusion I came to was like, it must just be with the internet and everything. There's just so much more of a reach, you know, there's so much more out there for people to consume. Yeah. I think, I think that is ultimately, it's probably the subtext of my question. Like why has the internet uh, been so uh, instrumental in making comedy as pervasive as it is? I mean, it's probably fairly uh, evident, self-evident on some level, but uh, as a comedian, like, I don't know, like you, do you, do you do much internet stuff per se? I do internet stuff, but a lot of it's like, uh, for a while I was doing like comedy videos. Um, and I also did like a, um, a a rap album like four years ago, like a comedic rap album. And and I did a bunch of videos for that and like Comedy Central like played some of them. And, um, that was where I kind of, when I started to get into the internet, uh, it was more for like things like that. And that's why when I was making this movie, my whole idea was like how every good, because now movies are like going online. You know what I mean? Like TV and movies are like kind of moving into that direction and distribution. So, um, I was kind of like, Oh, this is perfect to do like a low budget comedy movie. And then, um, you could just live online. I don't even have to worry about, you know, getting into theaters or things. Cause I never was like, Oh, this will be in theater. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like the huge movies are made and, and don't even go into theaters yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, so, so, when, and also, can I mention, I also have a, cause I'm with the movie, I'm releasing a stand up album uh, called adventures in comedy. Um, oh, it's the actual it, end result of the film. Like <laughs> I didn't realize well, I, in the film, it doesn't, we don't really see you recording your, 
it becomes the saga of whether you're even going to want to record your album, and then we get a glimpse that you might be recording it, but we don't. Yeah. We know that it debuted so, at number 434 on iTunes. That's all we are left to know. Right. Oh, oh, and that also did, Steven Spielberg was a big... Like, you, gotta, you end up doing quite well because of it, actually. Yes, yes, everything works out. Um, <laughs> and um, everything works out realistically at the end. <laughs> um, but I, I recorded the album like uh, a month and a half ago, and... It, it was kind of perfect because the company New Wave was like, well, yeah, we want to release the album and call it the same title, so it'll be, this is the album that you rec- that the movie leads up to. Mm-hmm. You don't see any of it in the movie, but... Um, and then I'm also releasing a, a rap album through New Wave uh, on the same day, like a comedy. Like, I rap, too, as, a, you know, it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> yes, there's at the end of the film there's a, a great video of you rapping and uh Right, right, right. It's a nice it's a nice black and white video and it's a good song and uh well, I don't know if I want to say it's a good song. I'm a big rap and hip hop fan. Are you insulted if I suggest that it may not be the best hip hop or rap song? Uh, um that's fine. I mean, you know, it's always nice to hear that. You are a little insulted. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, um, <laughs> do you, I mean, I, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty good rapper. I, I mean, I'm no, not you, the you're, greatest. You're but. good. You, you are a good rapper. Don't get me wrong. I just, I can't tell. In the context of the, at the end of the film, where I'm just like, what the hell was that? Because uh, I was left. I know, I know. I was left feeling like, what the hell was this film? I thought it was a sweet, earnest film about a kid that you know was on the Oscars when he was ten years old, uh, dancing, and then got into the showbiz and comedy. And then as it unfolded, I was like, what the hell? Wait a second, this is all fake or something. But wait, that's Jim Gaffigan speaking very sincerely. What, What is going on? And then at the end, there's this weird rap video, and I, I didn't know what to make of anything. Right, right. Well, you know, I, I thought, you know, um, just put a lot of, uh, throw a lot of people and kind of, I like when audiences are sort of like, like, what's, yeah, wait, what's this? Oh, my God. Because, <laughs> you know, like, I love how Slumdog Millionaire kind of ends with, like, a dance number. Right, right. Have you seen that? <laughs> yes, Which I is kind of, I mean, I love that movie. It's just like, wait, there's, like, a dance number at, like, the end of, or even at the end of, like, 40-Year-Old Virgin, they have, like, a whole, like, five-minute dance routine after he kind of loses his virginity, and it's like, hmm. That yeah, was weird. I guess Bridesmaids does the thing at the end with the Wilson Phillips song as well. Yeah, that, yeah, that one's a little more like integral, I guess. That's part of the movie. Of yeah, right, right. Yeah, but don't, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I know it's when I was doing it, putting it in, I was like, this is a little weird. But... <laughs> there's just no context for it. It's just there's like a rap song starts up. and uh... The only context is that I'm going to be putting out a rap album and maybe people will like look up that I rap too and be like oh okay yeah yeah uh, (laughs) no it's believe me it doesn't happen (laughs) but it's at the way end so I feel like it's like after the credits it's it's like if you're on board it's kind of like maybe an extra um, bonus thing that you might be like oh wait it's not over like what is this and it's sort of appropriate given the kind of hang dog dog, uh, like this is not really a success story film and then you've got this rap song that isn't really about uh, <laughs> normal rap and hip hop tropes. Yeah, it's like about not having money. So they, it, it totally makes sense, I suppose. It's just, it's great. It sounds like you, you, <laughs> you're a one man guy. You, you yourself seem to have many outlets for your comedy, which is good. Yeah, I, I um, uh, when I was when I was growing up, I wanted to be a rapper. I mean, I never really seriously entertained that, but. Who's your favorite rapper? Um, uh, Eminem is definitely my favorite rapper. Uh, he's sort of, I'm sort of obsessed with him. But I like other, like I like like Nas is probably my second favorite rapper. Um, Pretty complex, they just, they, they, complex guys. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, Eminem was someone that I could. I just, I don't know. I just think he's like a genius, and I can. I just am always just overwhelmed by his. He just is something that he, he kind of keeps getting better. Uh, can, but when can, I was growing can, up, like the B, I was, I loved like the Beastie Boys and like yeah. Public Enemy and. Um, that must I, have, when I was growing, you were up, growing up in Manhattan. That must have been crazy. You were growing up in Manhattan when a lot of that stuff was happening. 
Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's like I was like growing up kind of like I was like 11 when Run DMC hit it really big. And um, I loved them. And then I was like 13 or 14 when the Beastie Boys hit it big. And it was like, you know, they're from here. And it was like, I, you know, they. it was just kind of like I wanted to be like that. I felt like that was made like specifically for me. Like I was like the target demographic for the Beastie Boys, you know, yeah. being 14 in Manhattan and being in the rap. And um, so, yeah, it was good. And then so when I was in high school, it was just kind of like rap was kind of becoming bigger and bigger. And everyone I knew, that was like our music. And I, um, and a lot of it was, you know, we'd watch videos on like UMTV raps and a lot of it was shot like, you know, near where we lived. It was just kind of like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. no, that's cool I'm a big uh, I tend to rap in public a lot uh, and I often do Without Me by Eminem oh really like karaoke uh, well I actually play in a it started out as kind of I play music and I, or I have played music in my life and it started out as a thing where a bunch of us who were in real original music making bands were asked to convene to create a kind of cover band and then it's just continued for like 12 10 years and so the very first show I did without me, we did a medley from Billie Jean by Michael Jackson into without me. And it just has not stopped. We play weddings and conferences and, and all sorts of weird things. We just, every time we play, someone asks us to do something else. So it just never dies. The band never dies. And so I've been rapping without me for over 10 years uh, in public. Yeah. I, um, I, yeah, I, I, that's one of my go-tos when I do karaoke always yeah. without me. Yeah. I yeah. always do that. I always do lose yourself. Nice. Um, <laughs> I I am a big fan, but I don't, recently he's kind of, I don't know if you, like, if you're a big fan of his still, but. No, he's fallen he, off a little bit, or, I mean, I, I, there was a cypher, I know every, the, some of the recent cyphers were very controversial, but he did one, the one he did where he, he talked about, unfortunately, you know, uh, striking Lana Del Rey or whatever, but that I was so disappointed because it's some of the best exhibition of rap. Like I've never seen rapping like that in my life. I was just like, that's like the right, one right. of the best things I've ever seen him do. And unfortunately, he's still rapping like he's thirteen years old. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I um, the, the the problem I'm having with him now, which is making him less enjoyable, is he's becoming like this machine, this machine of rap where he's just, he, he's like obsessed with getting faster and faster. So now his songs, like I can't, I can't rap to them. Right. He's too fast. Like he came out with a song with a bunch of other guest appearances called Detroit versus everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like last week. Yeah. It's great. Did you hear that? I did. I liked it's it. Good, but his, his verse, he's just like, and I'm like, I, oh my God, I'm like, I can't. And one of my things that I enjoy when I listen to rap is like getting the words and being able to like say the words with it. Cause I am really into the flow and rhythms of people's flow. And I like being able to figure them out, but I feel like his flow has become like inhuman like i'm like how does a human even say that like that part in rap god i've tried to like learn but it's so fast i i i totally know what you're saying and it's i think it's a kind of selfish on both our parts because i grew up loving the wu-tang clan but i could never really get into raekwon and ghostface and i i figured out years later it's because i can't figure out how to do their parts uh, like when I'm driving or whatever. Right. I mean, yeah. it's sort of weird that we're <laughs> that that's how you relate to. I guess you, on some level, you relate to music if you can sort of sing along to it, or or, or sort of mimic yeah. it. And and I just can't. Ghost and Ray. Like what I've come to realize is technically they're two of the greatest rappers of all time. Like no one can. Like it's really hit me. Like the reason I can't, I don't always appreciate them is because I can't emulate them. Whereas. I yeah, my go-to is always like Jizza Genius is like the greatest MC of all time, but I think it's because I can, I think the content is clear and I can get into it and I can do it. Um, and yeah. Jay Z is kind of similar, um, but but I know that like people like I, I even Andre three thousand like I can't quite do it, and that's that that impacts my appreciation of or like my ability to enjoy it is like damn it I can't do this. It definitely does with me, and and that's kind of what I liked about Eminem when he, because he his flow was always pretty, not always, but it got to the point where it was like very fast 
his flow was always going like pretty fast, but you could still like, if you learned it, like without me, there are parts where you're like, you just have to, if you learn it, it's fast, but you can do it. It's doable. And when you do it, you kind of feel like you're a badass because you're like, Oh look, I know how to do that part. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But Raft God, I've literally sat and tried to do that part, and it's like, I can't do it. And I'm just like, and it kind of really frustrates me because <laughs> I want to be able to do it. And I, his other, like, Lose Yourself is another one where there's parts where you're just like, like, I'm, you know, I've done it at karaoke, and people are like, wow, how do you, I can't believe you can do that. I'm like, I know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. That is a big part of it. I, me having, you know, be, me being able to rap too. Even though Nas is someone I cannot, I can't rap with. I, he has a flow that I can't get a hold on. 100%. I agree. And, and it does, like, I know Illmatic is incredible, and I listen to it, and I'm like, this is incredible. But at the same time, I can, I know I can rap Empire State of Mind, and I I don't know if I'll ever be able to rap New York State of Mind. You know what I mean? It's just weird. Yeah, I've I've been listening to New York State of Mind recently, and um, yeah, I can't get it. I don't know why. There's something about his like he, he's deceptive because he is fast, but he's not fast. He's like seems like he's kind of like Eminem is like you, you can tell he's like putting a lot into it. Nas is like yeah, it just seems like he's not really. <laughs> trying that hard i i just saw there's a documentary about him called uh, time is illmatic yeah 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 i haven't seen it yet um, but I've, I've heard of it yeah yeah it's great and that kind of guy has gotten me back into listening to him so i've been listening to him more so really it's just kind of all about when he recorded illmatic and um how people say that's like you know the quintessential hip-hop album absolutely but again on some level I, I i've listened to it hundreds of times but i don't know it as well as really simple beastie boys rhymes or really simple whoever like it's comparably simple rappers like it's just interesting anyway this is i i appreciate this tangent but i i think we uh yeah we have gone because... we've gone off track a little bit i think in sort of closing here uh We've talked about the, the, the structure of adventures in comedy. What would you hope is the takeaway from this film? Because as we've established, it's sort of quasi-educational. It's mostly very it meant to be very funny, but there does seem to be a, a message or theme to it. Can you kind of illuminate that uh, in closing? Yeah, I guess, you know, the theme I wanted to get across was I wanted it more instead of just being <clears throat> instead of it just being about like the art of stand up or like what stand ups go through like you know because a lot of documentaries I've seen where they're like oh stand up's really hard and I have to do it I mean because there is that aspect to it but I guess it was the theme of it is just supposed to be kind of like following your passion and your dream like just following it through taking it all the way and really not jumping off because I remember I saw an interview because you know everyone's gone through that when you go through a thing where you're when you go through a journey where you're really following your dream and your passion you know you're told when you're young and everyone's just like you know all things you see throughout life are like follow your dream just follow your passion but it's like yeah it's not that easy that like there are a lot of times you're on the path and like not everyone's like next to you going, Hey, just keep going and follow your path. People are like, yeah. In fact, a lot of people are like, yeah, this isn't working out. Like, I don't know about this. Um, I saw an interview with Morgan Freeman once and he was talking about how he had had some success in his early thirties, I think. And then it kind of went away and he was like in his late thirties, almost 40. And he was like, well, what are you going to do? Like, is this, he's like, are you going to like give your life to this? Cause who knows where this is going? Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the sentiment I, that kind of always inspired me for this is you do get to those points because when I first started it, I was like about to turn 40 and, um, I was at a point, you know, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I want to make movies. All right, make a movie. Who's going to care? So, but it was kind of like, I guess that Morgan Freeman sentiment of like, you know, if you're going to do this, like, you just got to go all in mm-hmm. and not, there's not just halfway. And like, if you really have a dream, just fucking go for it. So, so, so the biggest inspiration for adventures in comedy was really Morgan Freeman. Basically, I would almost say like, 
even, you know, that's why I got so into like Eminem and, you know, I, cause I loved his story of, he was one of those people, you know, he wanted to be a rapper and it wasn't working, you know, he had so many things stacked against him and he was getting older for a rapper in the rap world. I think he was like almost like 25, 26 and, um, before he got signed and, um, he just, I don't know, I just think Eminem's one of the most amazing stories because Eminem grew up with nothing, this white kid who one day decided he was going to be the biggest rapper in the world, and he should not have become that, and he became that. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's kind of the sentiment, too. It's like, you never know the power of a dream. Like, you never know what you have in you, you know what I mean? Like, that's always what I always go back to, is like Eminem... I don't know the idea of him at 15 being like, yeah, I'm going to be the biggest rapper in the world. People would be like, are you out of your mind? Like, yeah, yeah. How would that ever happen? And then it's like, oh my God, like that happened. I guess anything's possible. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's, that's I think that's, that's true. That message does come through in the film. Uh, you mentioned, so the, the film is out streaming uh, in various places on February 20th. You mentioned that there's a, uh, an album as well of the same name that's coming out at some point. Uh, what else is, uh, and maybe I can get you to specify exactly when, uh, but also what's what's next for you? Do you have Canadian tour dates? Do you have other, uh, are you, you going to be doing more stand-up? Um, well, yeah, the, the stand-up album's coming out the same day, February 20th, and the rap album's coming out February 20th. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, the trifecta. Uh, <laughs> what is the rap album yeah. called? The rap album's called Streets Aren't Watching. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Good. Nice one. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, I came up with it like months ago, and I was like, I got it. If I do another rap album, that's, that's what it has to be called. Because I do every rapper's always like, Streets are watching. I'm just like, no one cares about my rap career. <laughs> streets is watching is pretty common. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's a, I like that. Okay, so Streets are, is it aren't or are not? Streets aren't Our watching. Streets aren't watching, and then uh, in Adventures in Comedy, there everything's coming out February twentieth, so that's good. And then what what else is going on with you? Um, that's a good question. I uh, I'm just I'm doing a lot more stand up here in the city. Uh, I have a bunch of like dates coming up here. Like uh, I'm doing there's this there's this club Eastville Comedy. I'm doing a bunch, and then I'm doing a show at Caroline's and. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. I have a podcast that I do every week. Um, it's called Last Exit to Brooklyn. Okay. And um, that we just I talk about like bad movies on. I talk about like pop culture and bad movies because, uh, like I said, I'm really into movies and bad movies. Um, and yeah, that's basically. I'm just doing a bunch of dates here in the city. So okay, doing that, stand up. That's cool. We hope you come up to Canada at some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've never been to Canada. What? Come on. Yeah, no, I've never been there. I, I really want to go. Oh, we got to figure this out, man. I know some people. Maybe I, maybe I'll put a word out to somebody that I know that let's see if we can get you up here. I don't know anybody really, but I'm just saying. I'm like now. I'm like your manager guy. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll hook you up. Don't worry. I, and re- you, should be, you should you you should talk to my manager. You guys have a lot <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so yeah. Once again, Adventures in Comedy is out uh, via Comedy Dynamics, the film anyway, February twentieth, and then the album's coming out. You said on New Wave. Yeah. New, well, New Wave uh, Comedy Dynamics is a branch of New Wave, right? Okay. And so New Wave, their you know CD. Depart- their audio department is doing the the album. Okay. So, and then the rap yeah. record is the same. Yeah, the same day. Okay, cool. All right. Well, so people yeah. can look out for that. And do you have like a? I know you're not on Twitter, are you, Tom? No, I'm on Twitter. Yeah, it's at Tom McCaffrey. Okay, Tom McCaffrey on Twitter, and then that's probably the best place to follow you and figure out uh, how to. If you have a, do you have like another web hub? I have. Um, yeah, a uh, a website, TomMcCaffreyComedy.com. Oh, there you go. All right, there we go. So TomMcCaffreyComedy.com. Now, Tom, before we leave, and I don't have a copy of this yet, but I, I'm going to make this request of you now, because normally this is primarily a music podcast slash radio show. Often we leave with a song, and because you have a rap album out, do you think it's possible for me to get a copy of a, at least one of the songs? And if so, can you choose the song that we play for people right now? Um, 
Yeah, yeah. But do you want my um, the song from my last album? Because the new one isn't like it's still being finished. Well, no, we. I, I mean, I'm not going to be. Well, sure. Anything you want. Yeah, anything you want. I just want to play some sampling of your of your rap world right now. Um. Okay. There, there's a song called um, uh, "I'm a Headliner" that's on the last one, and that one that might be a good one because a lot of comedians are on it. Like Hannibal Burris is on it. Okay. All right, this um, is, that sounds fine. That that sounds like good. And, and I mean, it speaks to your sort of confidence, your self confidence as a rapper and a comedian. Yeah, it's just I, I got like five comedians, and we each do a verse about how we're like the greatest comedian in the world, basically. <laughs> okay, well, this is it. This is the sorry. And your hip hop name is what again? TMC. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. All right. That's right. This is TMC with I'm a Headliner. Uh, Tom McCaffrey, it was a pleasure to speak with you, and I, I wish you the best of luck uh, with everything here. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much. This is great. Close no show. I'm a headliner, closing these show. I'm the realest. Coffee shop, subway car, I'm a killer. The illest in the business. Slap a Jehovah Witness. After my show, I get bitches drink tickets. You're showing my show, you wanna know the difference? My show sold out. You pay people to listen. They sit around and grimace, questioning their decisions. You're tripping, and you need to get out of the business. Peace out, dog. Adios and good riddance. other comics but you ain't there to see them nah that's me up on the marquee i'm the headliner the one you're paid to see at clubs colleges corporate events now i got 5,000 facebook friends a 16 year veteran of the best medicine yeah i did conan yeah i did letterman i kill them every single night's a homicide they roar scores on the floor when i'm inside light me at 40 i'll spot me a shorty for the after show party we'll get a little naughty Fly sweeties, line up to buy CDs. Nah, I don't mind, I'll sign your DVDs. Take a blonde hoe back to the condo, tap it real slow, wake up for morning radio. I got a headliner, I'm a headliner. 
Thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.